a new true crime podcast from the team behind Up and Vanished. In 2016, adventurer Justin Alexander was invited on a trek by an Indian holy man. They headed to a spiritual ground in the Himalayan mountains, a place beyond civilization. The holy man returned and said nothing, but Justin was never seen again. What happened to him? Dive into our investigation in Status Untraced. Available now. Listen for free on Spotify. Today is Sunday, May 2nd, 2021. On this day in 1971, the government sabotaged the work of thousands of people who peacefully gathered to protest President Nixon's self-serving delay in ending the Vietnam War. American public opinion favored bringing troops home immediately, but in order to win a second term, Nixon needed the war effort to continue. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Today we're covering the clash between Richard Nixon and the Mayday Tribe, a thousand-strong brigade of anti-war protesters who peacefully tried to shut down the United States government. Let's go back to Washington, D.C. on May 2, 1971, just before dawn. Richard Nixon's presidency relied on a classic proverb, act now, apologize later. The commander-in-chief said he heard the American people's cry to stop the war in Vietnam, and technically his re-election campaign supported ending it too. But he also needed the war. Vietnam had to last at least through the election. Otherwise, Nixon risked losing the votes of those who supported him only because he intended to bring the troops home. But people were sick of waiting. They wanted the war to end, and they wanted it to end now. Enter the Mayday Tribe. The ragtag group didn't look like a regular army, but they mobilized to serve their country just the same. They stood together behind one idea. If the United States government wouldn't stop the war, the tribe would stop the government. The tribe had already spent two weeks demonstrating peacefully on the streets of Washington, D.C. They calmly marched on the mall and participated in quiet sit-ins outside the Justice Department's doors. But the Nixon administration wouldn't acknowledge their concerns in real time, so they were forced to up their game. They made a new plan. The tribe would spread out across the city on the morning of May 3rd. It was a simple scheme bring traffic to a standstill, shut down D.C. They'd target significant roadways and bridges to deadlock traffic, so federal employees wouldn't be able to get to work. Whether or not they actually blocked government employees from their offices didn't really matter to them. What mattered was that they convey the appearance of social disorder and confusion while holding on to the American public's support at large. But Nixon got wind of the plan. He didn't let it rattle him, though. Instead, he buckled down to circumvent the demonstration. It turned out that protesters had circulated a detailed tactical diagram illustrating where they planned to set up their human barricades. Nixon immediately ordered his people to get a hold of the manual. 
Once he had it in his possession, he'd know precisely where to find the demonstrators. Then he could head them off at the pass and crush the movement altogether. In the meantime, he canceled the protesters' permits to camp in the capital's parks. Of course, the 35,000 demonstrators were already setting up base along the Potomac, making plans and pitching tents beneath the shadow of the Washington Monument. But President Nixon refused to allow the city to shut down. Once he secured the manual, he commanded the D.C. police to jump to action. Then, Nixon ordered Attorney General John Mitchell and the Department of Defense to orchestrate a massive military response. He was hell-bent on stopping the protests before they started. So, the night of May 2nd and well into the morning of May 3rd, police forces, federal troops, and the National Guard surrounded the capital city. Mitchell even ordered in a helicopter battalion to patrol D.C. The skies above West Potomac Park were still dark when the authorities descended on the protesters. There were more than 5,000 police officers on duty, supported by over 1,400 National Guardsmen. Before the demonstrators knew what was happening, riot police pounced on them, firing tear gas throughout the tranquil camp. The military broke up the crowd, and authorities handcuffed people before any arrestable offense had even occurred. Some protesters ran into churches. Others scrambled to find hiding spots on college campuses. Though they were disbanded, scattered, several Maydayers still hoped to make it to their stations and stop traffic just as they'd intended. But Richard Nixon had other ideas. Coming up, the Mayday tribe's fight continues. Hi, it's Carter from ParCast, and I'm hosting the new limited series, Hollywood Scandals. We all know that Tinseltown is the land of glitz and glamour, but look closer past the allure of bright lights and red carpets. There, you'll find a more disturbing tale, one filled with tragedies and transgressions so damaging they've turned hopes and dreams into high-profile nightmares. Every Monday on this Spotify original, discover the real-life dramas of some of entertainment's biggest names. From the mysterious drowning of Natalie Wood and the murder trials of comedian Fatty Arbuckle to the star clients of Hollywood madam Heidi Fleiss. Each episode of Hollywood Scandals has been curated from shows across the ParCast network, covering over a century's worth of controversies, from the silent era into the digital age. Fame and fortune may be fleeting, but scandals, they stand the test of time. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Hollywood Scandals. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. 
Now back to the story. Just before dawn on May 2nd, 1971, President Nixon ordered the DC police, National Guard, and personnel from other branches of the United States military to arrest over 35,000 peaceful anti-Vietnam War protesters in West Potomac Park. The next morning, those who avoided arrest tried to follow through with the protests, but they were met by police wielding tear gas and billy clubs. By 9 a.m. on May 3rd, six Army Operation Chinook helicopters descended on the National Mall to offload hundreds of armed soldiers. Police officers combed the streets, arresting anyone who looked like they were against the Vietnam War. If a citizen had long hair, they were taken. If they wore denim, arrested. Beads, flowers, defiant smiles, locked up. The cops made no bones about booking anyone and everyone, from citizens in their 70s to 12-year-old children. The May Day dragnet sweep was the largest mass arrest in United States history. Cops collected about 13,000 people in total. Though there had been no official declaration of martial law, Nixon's government abandoned the standard procedure of drawing up field arrest forms. They also failed to photograph the arrestees. And there were so many detainees, the jails were maxed out. So DC police had to enclose demonstrators in the Washington football team's practice stadium. There, protesters were detained without water, food, or restrooms. Held captive, the members of the May Day tribe needed someone to stand up for them, to fight for the rights guaranteed to them by the Constitution. They just didn't know where to find that person, or if any defender would be strong enough to go up against the president himself. No president had ever so blatantly suppressed free, peaceful assembly. Nixon was stripping the demonstrators of their First Amendment rights. As arrests grew out of control, the American Civil Liberties Union mobilized on the protesters' behalf. The ACLU enlisted an army of volunteer lawyers who secured acquittals for almost all 13,000 detained demonstrators arrested in that first week of May, 1971. The ACLU also filed a class action lawsuit against the DC police. That suit was settled in the protesters' favor, awarding the demonstrators with monetary damages for the abuse they suffered. Appreciatively, some May Day members even contributed their sums to the ACLU to continue fighting the good fight. The May Day protest stands as a good reminder of what people can accomplish when they come together for peace. While justice may zig and zag in and out of darkness, its foundation is strong enough to do more than just survive corruption. Instead, it evolves to protect our inalienable rights in every era, forever. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this, check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Not Guilty. 
Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by John Levinson, with writing assistance by Tara Wells and Alex Benedon, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hey there, Carter again. Before you go, remember to check out my new podcast limited series, Hollywood Scandals. In anticipation of the Oscars, we're unearthing some of the most sordid controversies in showbiz history. Tune in every Monday. Follow Hollywood Scandals free only on Spotify. Spotify.